0: finally got underway this weekend as does the newly renamed Liga F strikes were cancelled in the UK as were football matches as the Queen passed away but they were going strong in Spain as the referees walked out for a week in just another normal week of Spanish football but we finally got our first week of English Spanish French and German football all in one go including some great games in the WSL they say through gritted teeth. Uh, hello, welcome to Box to Box. Alex is away. Uh, she's jet setting round both Spain and France. Somehow she was in Leon today. Uh, but I brought in a different Arsenal fan to take the piss out of me because I'm Masca's. Hello, Carl. How you doing?
1: I'm great. How are you doing? It's great to be on.
0: Um, I've had better, better football. Yeah, I figured. Weekends.
1: I, I kind of asked that as a as a leading question, so I kind of knew the answer from the start. So. Yeah, good week for good week for Arsenal, even though that's it's pretty much echoing what happened uh the start of last season. So I'm not I'm not exactly getting too over the top, but it's nice to it's nice to see uh to see a good result in the opening weekend.
0: No open top bus booked yet.
1: Though. No, that's the I, I booked them, but I've but I've I've got made sure that I can get a uh, I get my money back in case that doesn't happen in May. So
0: seems wise, seems wise. Yeah, so an g- interesting set of results in in the WSL, Carl. Where where would you like to start if we're if we're running through
1: stuff? Um, I think we should start off with a bang and probably lead off with uh, City Villa.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I mean, obviously, we I think that this podcast has kind of made clear our issues with the uh, the City coaching structure and uh, Gareth Taylor in particular. But I myself was not expecting um, for obviously a four three result, but much less Aston Villa to win uh, on the opening weekend.
0: Yeah, um for four three, as as Carl said, uh, Villa went 2-0 up, goals from Rachel Daly and Alicia Lehman before City came back, brought it back to three two. And I, I think at that point I was like, Ugh, this is done. Like somehow City have got themselves out of out of the hole. But no, they they re dug it for themselves. Uh and Kenza Daly scored a a deflected shot of Alec Greenwood. Um and then Rachel Daly got a tap in after an after an Ellie Roebuck mistake. Should we start with Villa because I feel like lots of the stuff is going to focus on City and I I personally thought thought Villa were really good.
1: Yeah, I thought the um that left hand side with Pacheco, um, Dolly and uh, Hanson and then um, uh, Rachel Daly up front obviously was pretty. It was kind of dovetailed obviously because like City um for most of the match were basically building through Steph Houghton on that right hand side and it was kind of like a dichotomy of them being creative down that side but. Villa kind of exploiting that in the row when they got forward um and I think that 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 left-hand side I think I think you and me both kind of share that that love for Pacheco at left back but I think Rachel Daly has kind of added a different dimension that most other WS sides of, of that kind of Aston Villa caliber don't have to kind of have that not jet out of, um, get out of a uh, jail free card but basically being able to kind of have her to kind of link up play and uh also you know you could say she's a fullback like she played for the, for England but her ability and it, the attacking sense is is really really good for for Aston Villa
0: yeah I I mean I I always had a soft spot for the Houston Dash so I've watched quite a lot of Rachel Daly play up front but it's kind of exciting I think to see how good she is up front like I don't know I think it's so funny when you have just watched her in that England team. And, and I think uh, I was talking to Flo Lodge Hughes about this, but um, something that really stood out is like how much more confident she clearly feels, I think, when... I don't know whether it, it maybe at Villa she also has a bit of the big fish and small pond mentality too. But I, I just feel like it just was like her attitude felt worlds apart in this game from, from having watched her play for England this summer.
1: Yeah, and I think I think that was kind of a key reason why she was so impressive with the dash. Obviously, I'm not gonna get to the debate of the underbelly MD, versus the <laughs> women's super league because I think I think the Twitter Twitter sphere has kind of handled it for us. But I do think that her the times when she was with the dash, Nabashi, she she did well there because she kind of had that. You know, like you said, big fish in a small pond thing where with the dash, she was she obviously felt that she was an elite player and uh, she was a key player for that team. And with Villa, she very clearly is that kind of that mantelpiece. And she was obviously, you know, the way that, you know, obviously City were the more dominant in terms of on the ball stuff. So a lot of her stuff was having to come from deep. But I think that her ability to kind of link up play like i said and kind of like i looked at her pass map earlier and obviously a lot of her stuff was deeper kind of in her own half with that that kind of ability that when villa were pinned back that she did provide that kind of outlet that first pass wasn't just going needlessly into the channel she was able to kind of hold it up and bring others into play when needed and and obviously 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 um provide an outlet over the top when needed yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I it's it's I kind of downplayed it when she came into the league about how good and how fun it would be to have her in the league. But I think this game kind of cemented that. it's gonna be really interesting to see how she she helps Aston Villa. Because there's there's like I said, there's a lot of fun pieces in that villa team. And this one kind of brings them over to that the edge of others.
0: Definitely. I think that's something that like kind of stood out for me when I was watching this game as well. Was like obviously Daily is the standout and I did think she was very impressive because you know we have seen like she came and played in WSL for like half a season or whatever yeah. with West Ham and it, it was yeah. just like fine like it wasn't like anything to write home about but I think seeing her surrounded by players who, who are good but maybe we haven't always seen the best out of you know Daly, Lehman, Hansen I think you can put all of them in the category of you know we know they're talented players but are yeah. they consistent like can they can you rely on them and that will obviously remain to be seen you know, even players like Pacheco, Patton, obviously on loan from Arsenal, like they're good young players. Rachel Corsi is someone who I think is very, very talented as well. Uh, Hannah Hampton, I guess, is you know she she was at fault for that first City goal, but some of her distribution in this game was pretty ridiculous.
1: Yeah, that that was that's always one of her strong points, and is and you know those those kind of errors will obviously happen. It's you know you can kind of throw it like when those when those kind of goalkeeping errors happen in games where it ends four three, I kind of just add in the chaos factor like I don't really like you said like uh Ellie Roebuck had the same sort of issues as well with the uh was it the winner the fourth goal uh yeah yeah so I just call it for put it down to one of those goalkeeping days where where stuff happens
0: yeah and I mean also interestingly I guess keepers who didn't actually end up playing any minutes during the Euros so kind of both had quiet summers even though they were they were away with England but I think not to take away from Villa after we just spent five minutes picking them up which i think they deserve i think one of the reasons villa looks impressive is because city were incredibly easy to read and incredibly easy to have this pressing structure which it didn't take very long to bear fruit right with that with that first goal
1: yeah and speaking to to a bunch of people throughout um you know women's football or analysts or whatever like that's the one thing is like while it's kind of like a weird thing like you obviously city are obviously very extremely talented regardless of whatever we've said previously but like they have such clear sort of mechanisms of how they build so it's very easy for the um for you to actually identify you know what they're going to do in terms of build up you know stuff how going to be involved they're going to build up play through that so while okay, we'll get to them later obviously it's kind of their, their detriment chelsea kind of had the element of like they just have really talented players who they can kind of create chaos and up front while city they're so reliant on that kind of build-up structure to create stuff. If you're able to actually shut them down and press them make, um, um well, it's much harder for them to kind of revert to like a more direct style. And I do think that that was kind of, that bared fruit today, or not today, but uh, in the uh, the Villa game.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I felt like City were asking a lot of Laya Alexandre, who I didn't think had an awful game. I think also like, Alex Greenwood and Steph Houghton could have been a bit more intelligent in in how and when they were they were choosing to pass. It was fairly clear that like Rachel Daly was just very happy to sit on Alexandria and and be ready to intercept, and she didn't get much support from from Angledale or Coombs either.
1: Yeah, and like that, you, I'm looking at the past maps now, but it's it's pretty much like Greenwood and Houghton and Alexandria were basically just doing the dreaded U shape up front. And then all the wingers were basically parked up high and kind of not able to co- kind of provide some support. So like that kind of link up between while the centre-backs were dominating the ball and playing it, they just were, the outlets weren't there because Villa were, um, were pressing them so well.
0: And it's kind of surprising though as well, right? Because in Hemp and Kelly, you've got two players who you're like, if you need to drop a bit deeper and run with the ball, you kind of back both of them to do yeah. it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So it, it just feels like, listen, like I know Kira Walsh, left late that sucks like that's hard for a club to to deal with you know and I don't know when City changed their minds on it I was in Gareth Taylor's presser before the game and he kind of implied that there was some kind of stupid derisory offers from Barcelona and they were like whatever and then I think the implication was that when City went out of the Champions League Barcelona took it more seriously offered more money and they basically decided they didn't want to keep Kira Walsh there when she didn't want to play for them that's that all makes sense, right? And and I guess maybe they just thought they would beat Real Madrid, they'd go through and and Walsh would stay. But given that, like this did still happen, what, two weeks ago now at this point? The first weekend was cancelled. You've had a whole extra week. Is it just like total naivety on, on Taylor and City's part just to be like, we'll just put Alexandre in this position who is not even a holding midfielder. She is a central defender. She can play that role, but she's not Walsh in any way shape or form
1: it's like for me it's like borderline arrogance of just being able to be like oh well we'll just we'll just play how we are going to play and she'll just plop in there and it'll be fine but like you saw it in and like what Kira Walsh did all throughout the summer of Euros. what she's done her entire city career the one thing she's so intelligent at is basically being able to to pick and choose when she's actually behind that first line of pressure, or when she kind of drops out to create advantages, which actually stretches out the center backs and creates space for them to actually play. And like Houghton and Greenwood are so good at the ball that they can do that. While Alexandria was so uncomfortable that she just was just not doing any of that. So like she, the only time she was actually getting on the ball is when she was directly behind that second line of pressure, which takes out multiple options on the ball for City and basically. Um, makes them so much easier to press. Nothing not taking nothing away from Villa, I thought they were were really, really good uh in that kind of in that area yesterday. But like you said, like it's just like you can't just put a, a Kira Walsh, like a 1.0 version in there when you have, you know, it's it's tough to adapt to it regardless. But at the same time, like you said, they had multiple weeks to change that. So it's not like it's something that caught them like she had an injury, you know, the day before and she suddenly left. It's something that they should have known, they should have you know, game planned on it. If you know your team, that's something that you need to have kind of a contingency plan for,
0: right? And the injury thing is a perfect example. Like Walsh could have stayed, and for whatever reason, been
1: yeah unavailable. You can't have you can't have one pivot player. And I, this is something that I've I've mentioned with Arsenal. Like if Walty goes out, like what's the plan for replacing Walty? It's the same thing for Walsh. Like you can't just say like, well, Walsh is going to play every single game, and then when she leaves, you're like, oh well, what do we do now?
0: Taylor picked out Walsh and Ellen White as as kind of the two players that really shocked City when they left. The Ellen White one kind of made me laugh because I was like, "Well, it sounds like it was your fault because you stuck a needle through her
1: lung." It's hard to play. It's hard to play football when you can't breathe. I've <laughs> my experience, I know, so. is like,
0: huh? What?
1: Uh, what? You have to run.
0: <laughs> and I also thought Ellen White one was surprising because they. It's probably the only position where they had a direct upgrade there to play i just, in I, bunny think, shaw. I
1: think he's actively avoiding playing her it's just it's just it's borderline absurd to me at this point about the inability to kind of sign bunny uh i'm uh, sorry bunny shaw not bunny white that'd be a that'd be a hell of a player because one <laughs> of both of them um bunny shaw together and you know he, she's not. it's all like she hasn't just like suddenly rocked up to training and like he's been completely unaware like she is an exceptional player And it's, you know, it should have been on the Like we're talking about contingency plans. You bring in Bunny Shaw, Ellen White's, you know, on the verge of retirement towards the back end of her career, like play her so she can get used to your system and don't just throw her in there and actively avoid playing her at all costs.
0: Yeah. And I think also I get maybe what's interesting is is it's a similar thing with Walsh and Alexandria and and maybe what you're saying about arrogance is that Bunny Shaw obviously is a different player to Ellen White. Yeah. And she's not going to necessarily give you the same things that... Ellen White gives you, you know, like I don't know. I spoke to to city fans who are like, oh, they feel like Ellen White does a lot more of like pressing or running than than say Bunny does. But there, I think are, there are lots of other areas where I would say Bunny is like a far superior player than Ellen White. And but maybe you also need to then adapt your system to to recognize that she's not just gonna yeah. sprint around and press in a way that I guess can be helpful, but also doesn't isn't necessarily the same as scoring goals.
1: Yeah, and I, I do think that, like, the pressing thing is kind of negated because, like, well, every top team, uh, most t- top teams have some kind of pressing structure and they press a lot. Like, it's not like City are going to be spending 75% of the game just chasing the ball. Mm-hmm. So I think that, like, you know, you can coach in the the sort of basic pressing triggers into Buddy Shaw. She suddenly, suddenly doesn't understand how to press all of a sudden. Like, if you think that, like, you can, you can basically teach her how to press in a way which is beneficial for you while also adding in her attacking strengths. It's not like some kind of, like, non-negotiable thing where – if City don't press, they're somehow not going to be the same team because and the other thing as well is like, you know, how does that kind of change the role of the wingers? Because if Eleanor White's occupying players, it allows the wingers to get inside, it's like that. So that might be some kind of something that Gareth Taylor's thinking. But um, I just think that, you know, Bunny Shaw's ability is just, you know, it, it engages like you, you can take the rough with the smooth in that if there is something like that, which I don't agree with. So
0: yeah. And I mean, also I just think her goal scoring threat is ridiculous. As soon as Bunny Shaw was taken off for of Dana Castellanos, I was like, City don't score again.
1: It's it's the one thing that people that that's the one thing that people like talk to me about. Like, what's like the most underrated thing that you look for when you're scouting like for data for 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 strikers? And like the one thing is like people miss out that like if I'm looking for a forward, I want to see someone who scores goals. Like people are looking at all these other intangibles, <laughs> like uh, other stuff, like other metrics. I'm like, well. Do they score goals? Like that's the, honestly like the number one thing. And that's like it's, it's as basic as that. Yeah. You know, if they if they shoot a lot, if they get touches in the box, then they score goals. If they do all those things, I can work with that. And that's what you know, Bunny Shaw's done. So,
0: City heads to Chelsea next weekend. Who, spoiler alert, also didn't have a very good start to the season. What do you think? Okay, if you were in charge, Gareth Taylor sacked in the morning. Carl Carpenter's brought in you've got five days to do something to City before they they head to King's Meadow what are you what are you doing
1: what I would do is I would add in this is obviously something that like I think they've been coaching for a while but I would kind of add in the ability to just you know when when and where it's appropriate to play direct and I would play up direct to Bunny Shaw just because I think that if Chelsea are one of the most like they can switch through three various pressing structures in like the first 10 minutes of the match. And I think if you're so intent on basically just playing through the center and you don't have your pivot player, cause that's something that you seemingly just completely avoided picking out on, you know, sometimes the best thing to do is play over the top play over the press and play to the channels. And that's one thing that is pretty evident with most, teams which play a back three which I don't think Chelsea will suddenly switch to a back four all of a sudden despite the loss is that one thing that you can exploit if you can play those good balls into the into the areas around the center backs out wide I think that's one thing that you can do like it's obviously like it's not like a a a home run thing against Chelsea because Chelsea are obviously a great team but just adding that kind of variation so you're bypassing that pressing structure and adding a little bit more chaos and second balls to your match obviously not playing direct like I'm not not asking you to put you just pump the ball every single time you get it but when there is opportunities to play direct play direct because Bunny Shaw is a formidable you know athlete as well as just an extremely technical player as well so that's what I would do
0: yeah and I I can't remember if it was the second or third city goal but it comes from just smashing the ball up to Chloe Kelly beyond yeah Mm -hmm. and she cuts across and it's like it's not it's not just Bunny Shaw like you could smash it up to him yeah. Kelly, as well. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And also, if I was playing Chelsea, I would say those gaps between the centre backs and the wing backs are exactly where you would look to hurt us. But let's talk about Chelsea, which I've now talked about so much that I'm kind of over it uh, a little bit.
1: I'm not. I'm not over <laughs> it. I'm loving it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we lost 2 1 to Liverpool. We always are rubbish at the start of the season. We were rubbish again. Uh, we went 1 0 up after three minutes and then managed to concede two penalties. 67th and 87th minute
1: yeah looking at looking at the xg of this game is honestly hilarious because it's basically all the xg is inflated because of the because of Italy so it's just like it doesn't tell the whole story if you look at it and it's the um it's just I think it's uh yeah so Liverpool had two 2.7 while Chelsea had 1.66 and obviously Chelsea's inflated by the pen in the first which is 0.75, and then Liverpool is so basically all of their XG is from the penalties. They went through a span of 60 minutes without actually getting a shot on goal. Liverpool, which is interesting, when the final score is 2-1, but uh,
0: yeah, I I honestly can't quite figure out how I feel about this game because to me the first penalty is like whatever. You can argue whether it was or wasn't a penalty. Like it doesn't really bother me. I think clearly it's kind of a bit of a freak situation second penalty is more concerning to me but also you're pushing to find a winner and it's the 87th minute yeah and yeah realistically liverpool created like absolutely nothing i think the thing that's more concerning to me is that chelsea created absolutely nothing
1: yes and i think that while we were talking during the match about how impressive players like lauren james were on the ball in the wing back areas like it was very clear that the ball was going to go to those wingback areas, which made we kind of talked about it with, with with City and Villa pressing them. Basically, Villa were basically able to just negate the kind of the double pivot of of Sophie Engel and and, and Cuthbert in the middle, and just basically bait all those passes into the wide areas. Because while obviously there were, there were times where Lauren James would just really like get out of pressure because she's you know an incredible talent. Like if you're constantly trying to rely on those kind of individual moments of quality in wide areas. To break down a pressing structure, it's not going to come off every single time. Like the opposition are just too good to kind of rely on that. And if your central midfielders, one of them is doing Cuthbert things in advanced areas, and the other one who kind of is getting on the ball a lot is basically only playing it square, it negates your ability to actually feed that kind of those attacking players who were so good. So they were isolated a lot of time um, when the ball was just shunted out wide. And it made you know Liverpool had a really good press because the the front three would basically go three v three against the center backs, but then they would sort of put um, help support when 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 Kirby would drop down just by putting them in a, in a cover shadow, basically just hiding them behind them. And I think you mentioned it as well, just when there were opportunities for for Engle to get on the ball and help kind of progress the ball in the middle of the pitch, he was just hiding, which. Is not exactly something you want from a central midfielder whose key responsibility is to get on the ball from the center backs. I think you can probably take the lead on this because you've probably watched it back a million times. But don't want to double over your points. But uh-huh. just, it, it just seems like that sort of like Chelsea are so good at crit. Just like sometimes you just you have you have a linebacker up front, American football linebacker with with Sam Kerr, just able to to do that. And like we saw it when when Arsenal when they would press them in the FA Cup final, they would just put the ball up to Kerr. And that's something that I I do think that like you do want those kind of more complex pressing moments to be a little bit more creative. But in those games where Ingles not getting on the ball, Cuthbert can't get on the ball, you can't find those central players. Sometimes you just have to kind of play what the game's giving you and rely on that. And
0: Right. And we basically did do that, right? Like because if Kerr's second goal counts, which is, I mean, if you're going with an NFL reference, Frank Kirby, just like, quarterbacking the fuck out of it and yeah was, like smashing the ball long for Kurt to volley
1: another 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 L for the WSL's lack of technology on all fronts but you know,
0: <sighs> you know. yeah I mean like I was pissed off at the- I was pissed off because it was a good goal like I wasn't pissed off because it was wrongly called offside it's just you know when Sadio say things are, like spiritually onside because like that's how yeah. I I just felt some goals. and the, the worst of
1: that is asking. that is they don't show up in any of the data because they technically didn't yeah the I know side.
0: But yeah, on the Ingle thing, like, it's something that's frustrated me for a long time. And I think that's part of the reason that maybe Erin, aside from the fact that we can't sign a holding midfielder, but that Erin's been kind of moulded for this role, is that she is a she is a brave player. She's going to turn and go. She's going to, like, carry the ball. She's, she's technically better, I think, than Sophie Ingle as well. And, you know, I think if you're playing a three at the back, you shouldn't really need, like, the defensive cover that I'm not even sure Sophie Ingle is actually physically capable of providing anymore. But then what I think annoyed me or surprised me is that Peniela Harder pulls out in the warm-up, fine. Erin Cuthbert was obviously supposed to start as a six. She's, like, played there all preseason. There are so many other options you can bring in other than Ingle and then pushing Erin Cuthbert up. And as a result, I, like, I had no idea what, like, Aaron Cuthbert was like invisible for most of that match to me. And I've watched it twice.
1: Yeah, I, I I didn't I didn't actually know she was playing until about the 15th minute. I thought there was I thought there was some kind of complex sub when when Pernilla Harder went out. I thought that she had got pulled out as well. So, and that's you know, it's not ideal when you're basically playing with 10 and you've watched the game back for for 180 minutes and you just don't notice the player, like for good or bad.
0: Yeah, I think that's just the kind of thing that I didn't really understand. And I think also the thing is is Look, Emma Hayes likes to innovate and the reason she's still at the top of the game with Chelsea after 10 years is because she is always changing stuff up and it's like you said, it, it makes the team unpredictable. And maybe you just say, okay, these early season losses are the bitter pill you have to swallow to make that work. And if I was Emma Hayes, I would turn around and say, well, we lost last season, we drew the season before and we won the league by the time, so it doesn't have to matter. And, and maybe that's just going to get even more true because... Firstly, Chelsea lost more games than Arsenal last season, still won the league. I think everyone's going to lose more games this season. cute Arsenal being invincible or whatever. But I, I think that will happen. I, like, I think not that Arsenal will be invincible. I think generally we're going to get past the point of seeing... So I had a look back. I went back to like 2014. And no team who's won the WSL has lost more than two games. I think we'll see that start to change. But I just don't think it needs to change that much.
1: No, Yeah yeah and i i do think that kind of that 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 side of things that basically like you're talking about like basically one win like it was sort of like the relegation fight basically like any team that got like w- two wins like for the last couple of years was like safe for relegation but like the league is 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 incredibly strong now we saw obviously it didn't work out with everton and they not changing their coach every every week doesn't help when you're trying to bed in 14 new players but like there's a lot of, of of money and players kind of coming in, like Aston Villa signing Rachel Daly, like Everton have a good team. Now West Ham are signing fun players like, it's just like I think that like it'll it'll be more like a a four a four win or four loss season, but at the same time, like starting off like you said on a, on a negative foot, like every single season just makes it so much harder for Chelsea. Like you know, even in it's at the same time like uh, you can't keep getting away with it's that meme of the, from for Breaking Bad they can't keep getting away from this. Like Chelsea can't keep on losing games in the opening part of the season and just win win titles.
0: Well, the other thing as well is is it puts pressure on you where there doesn't need to be pressure.
1: Yeah, unnecessarily. Yeah, like Liverpool, Liverpool are like they're not the, the typical caliber of, of players and teams that we've te- typically seen promoted. Yeah,
0: they are but, not a newly pro like they are a newly promoted team. The New they newly
1: promoted just in name, but no, a newly
0: not- promoted team who will probably finish in the top half of the WSL.
1: Yeah. So like that's obviously like a say you can throw that out the window. But at the same time, like Chelsea are wanting to win those games, but it just unnecessarily like and it's such and it wasn't like there was some kind of like I mean, type, I guess it was a fluke because giving a game with three penalties is is, is kind of weird in, in itself. But like they weren't things that like you could have you look you've known you've watched Chelsea for so long now. Like they're not something that you just like Sophie Ingle has not been a problem. Just just one one day. Mm. Like there hasn't been those kind of issues. It just kind of showed up overnight. So it, I'm sure as a Chelsea fan, uh, it's frustrating that it happened this way because it's it's it, w- it wasn't predictable. But it was a way that you could have just like if that's how we're going to lose, that's how it's going to happen.
0: Okay, well, let's talk about the team who are top of the league on alphabetization only, Arsenal. 4-0 win over 10-player Brighton. So I don't know how much we can take from any of this.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously when, it, when, a, when a match gets kind of, you know, shipped into Arsenal's favour, which was already in, obviously, Arsenal's favour from the beginning, like from the seventh minute, I don't... You can't make too many conclusions. Obviously, I'm happy that Arsenal kind of got the job done, constantly peppering the goal, uh, Brighton goal with, with shots. But at the same time, from like kind of like a selfish perspective, I did want them uh, to not send off. You know, that I did not want the red card just to kind of ruin because I wanted a good game to start the season. And when basically you're having to deal with a bunkered team for 90 minutes, it's just it, it kind of comes a slog. The one thing I will say that I thought was impressive from an Arsenal standpoint was just the ability to kind of make sure that when we were pinning Brighton so deep, we weren't. Apart from the one chance in the start of the second half, uh, which was was dangerous, we we basically limited Brighton to nothing. I think they had they had three shots the entire match, um, and they were both really really low chances. Apart from that one uh, that one fast break, um, and after the 50th minute, they didn't have another shot. So that was the one thing, like. It's kind of hard to negate to because, you know, the one thing that, that Ida Ball has brought into us, which is I've I've we've been obviously seen so much as kind of that, that fast-paced sort of like high-pressing stuff. And when the opposition are so deep, it doesn't really provide you the opportunity to do any of that. But I do think that these kind of games will be kind of the key for Arsenal if they want to win the league. Is basically like being able to blend that kind of like... Playing playing Steena in behind for those kind of quick balls, which obviously created the, the red card, as well as kind of blending it to the upper, those games when you're going to be having to face deep blocks. So I was interested to see that basically how we were able to kind of to blend those two together, and it was very much like Brighton started off in a back five, but then moved to a four, basically just a four four one. And we basically just had our our fullbacks playing as basically higher than than our wingers a lot of the time. And it was interesting to see how we kind of stretched them and broke them down. But like the key points for me was like, I think Caitlin Ford and those kind of wide players and just doing one-v-one stuff is going to be really, really important for Arsenal going forward. Because while the collective is obviously very strong, like if you don't have various profiles of players to break down deep blocks, if you're just constantly relying on, on like um, playing through balls or, you know, shots on the edge of the box. It's a lot harder, but if you have those kind of dribblers, you put the fear of God in, op- in opposition defenders. Like it's, it's a very, very good uh, blend to have.
0: Yeah. I felt sorry for uh, Chelsea Loney, Georgia Fox.
1: She seemed to be targeted. She seemed to be very targeted, but like, it's a, a welcome to the WSL moment when you have Caitlin Ford, and then you have Katie McCabe, and then you have Leo Valti moving over. And then you have meet him on that side. It's just like a it's a lot to deal with and especially when the two center backs were so insistent on never getting dragged wide and she's being forced to kind of go out there without any cover behind her. Um So it's, it's not something it's not, and uh, regardless of the player, it's not something I would, I would envy anyone to have to deal with on the opening day of the season.
0: Yeah. I think something I, Caitlin I, Ford, I definitely noticed she felt a lot more, one v one yeah than maybe I, I I thought before. I don't know whether that's just because as you say, like they felt like Fox was an opportunity especially when, when Brighton went down to 10, that, that that might be the case. I think the other things that stood out to me, one good, one bad, was it definitely felt like Viv was a lot closer to Stina than she had been at points last season, which I'm like Yes, please. That makes so much more We don't sense. we don't need
1: you picking up the ball as a, as a number 6 anymore. Just stay high and stay in those kind of pockets of space, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I think if they can keep Viv doing that, that will be a, like a very big positive.
1: Yeah. And I also, I would kind of add to not to jump in there, but to kind of caveat that a lot of that was because like there was really no need for her to pick up the ball, just right. Brighten, That's what I was. Say. weren't exactly creating any space, so she, if she if she had dropped into that traditional spot where she would, she would have been the deepest player on the pitch. Um, I looked at the average positions of of the of the match, and basically the center backs are they're both inside the opposition half. So it kind of shows you how how deep, obviously by necessity, um, a lot of the time. But um, and Viv was pretty much she was actually level with with uh, with Black City. So kind of that that attacking line, which is normally she's about probably like 10 or 15 yards deeper. And a lot of that is basically kind of overloading the back, the back center back players. And so she's she's good at that anyways. The question is when the game's a little bit more open and there is a little bit more opportunities for drop off, if she just has those kind of tendencies where she just She feels like she needs to get a touch on the ball and kind of keep the ball moving to get her involved in the game rather than kind of picking and choosing her moments, drifting a little bit, and then coming alive in those pockets. And I think that's where she's best because she's very good at being able to get dismarked and basically move away from players. When you have a kind of that focal point there, like she can be, when she drops off, it makes it a lot easier for for teams to take her out of the game.
0: Right, and I think it's funny because I feel like – because she's so talented this isn't really a word that gets associated with her but I feel like it's the thing I'm looking for most from her but like is discipline yeah like and that recognition that yeah sometimes it's shit and you might not have the ball but like you just kind of need to keep doing what you're doing and not actually take yourself out of the game and so it'll be interesting to see you know whether that is something that she's twigged Jonas has twigged and kind of laid down the letter of the law because sometimes I feel like Vivin, these teams is starting to run the show herself r.i.p mark parsons so i think that would be a, a, a big thing for arsenal to like make sure happens this season i guess the other like negative thing but again kind of pointless because brighton had 10 players they were never gonna like probably do anything but was the kind of space that katie mckay was leaving in behind her yes i don't know if that's just like
1: i think it's a it's, it's sort of a blend of like the tendency of like she's not naturally a fullback. So she's probably, I mean, even though she did play there for that entire um uh, the season where she was player of the season two years ago now, I can't i have lost. Yeah. Time. But a lot of that is like, it might be something to like rafael be able to deal with for long-term, but uh, ideally you don't want your setting back center back when you've pinned the Dean back to basically have to deal with one long ball and be facing your own goal. Um, So you kind of want that balance is more, but like I said, like, Sample size is, 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 is important for me. And obviously it's like, you know, if she, if it, if it becomes a problem we get scored on from it a couple of times, or even once it'd be something I'll probably key on more, but yeah, I think a lot of that is just like a natural tendency. of Like you have the ball so much, you can just kind of like go Rover and just kind of do what you want. Cause you know that the, cause Brian had one outlet player. And when you have, leah williamson and rafael back and then you know the weak side center back obviously or weak side fullback dropping down like you can kind of be a little bit more go wild i guess on that side
0: yeah yeah okay so Arsenal we'll we'll put a pin in and then see what they look like against some some better teams ajax and champions league and then spurs at the weekend i think both of which could be interesting games but i still don't know if they'll really be
1: yeah good. i i am i'm absolutely dreading this Spurs game just because it's a, a north london derby and you know those games are never fun, regardless of how dominant. Like even when 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 Tottenham were just getting just getting promoted, and we beat them seven nil or whatever. I was still absolutely dreading. I mean, I was essing my pants before the Brighton game, so you can tell kind of my mental state before any Arsenal game.
0: A team you have beaten literally every time you ever hey,
1: played. There's always a first time for everything, so it, be the, it could have been that game yesterday or on Friday.
0: United-Reading, I guess, was the other game that I know we both watched and I kind of wanted to touch on. I think, again, a game which kind of just felt like it got away from, from Reading, so maybe it wasn't, wasn't super interesting. 4-0 win for United, uh, two goals from Maya Letizia, of all people, one from Lesley Russo and a penalty from Katie Zellum. The thing that stood out to me here was Ana Batia and Lucia Garcia.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: they look good together,
1: yeah, that that right hand side, especially with with Maya as a center back, was basically just creating all sorts of havoc down that right hand side. And from a personal standpoint, I would have liked to seen Ona Batil at Barcelona, but obviously uh, the Lucy Bronze thing happened. Just because i i want <laughs> I want good players out of teams I don't like, but that side, especially like that front three, basically of Toon, Russo and Garcia, is from a neutral standpoint is going to be. Tons and tons of fun. Like, there's a lot of great attacking trios in the league this year, but I think that now that like, obviously you have you have Russo's and Tuning who are basically you know on such a such a high right now from the Euros, and you bring in you know Garcia as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like this this United team is 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 just in general is just something i'm from a, just like regardless of my my affiliations, is one that I really really like to watch.
0: Yeah, I, I think they're they are a fun team and um I think if Leah Golden could stay fit as well, that'd be really nice. It does make me laugh though that I feel like United last season had like no player I really rated at, at right wing, even though like Kirsty Hansen looked quite good yeah. for Villa. But now they it feels like they've got three in Paris, Leon and Lucio Garcia, but I guess that's the point of uh assigning players so and giving yourself options. Um I think midfield wise, I'm still not convinced zellum and lad um and maybe quite right but there are other players in there for for them to to try out um i'd like to see the very to get more minutes but it doesn't seem like much i definitely think united will cause teams problems uh this season definitely
1: just to gauge your question this is something that we we talked about as well but how much do you fear for reading obviously you know opening day united is but like a lot of people are tipping other teams to be kind of involved at the relegation scrap this year and I think Reading, because obviously they've been Kelly Chambers has done great stuff with basically no backing from anybody at Reading and no no Premier League money behind them as well. So they're kind of like they've been kind of a consistent thing in the WSL for such a long time. But like I think without that kind of money and like the Reading owners basically just like constantly finishing mid table, like this this can't go on of them basically just like kind of like floundering along, kind of flapping along, keeping their head above water. Um, and I'm just worried that this year might be a sneaky pick for them to be kind of dragged down into that fight.
0: Yeah, I definitely think with the caveat that in the same way that we can't judge Arsenal, I don't really feel like I can judge Brighton when they play for 10 players, and and I still worry for Brighton. I thought Leicester looked better than I expected them to, Yeah, but again, Spurs do sometimes flatter to deceive with certain teams,
1: I think. The, the, the attacking side of Tottenham is one thing that like we all know that they're they can defend and like she's uh, the, the manager that is ex- but just the attacking side of things i've never seen anything that's outwardly impressed me
0: right so it doesn't really surprise me they only scored like two long-range efforts against Lester. yeah i think if Deanne rose is out for the season that's a big problem because again to like nick american terminology for me Deanne rose is like the quality to be like the franchise player who just carries yeah. that team through and I think, you know, especially obviously they had a great run last season where basically Deanne Rose and Natasha Dowie like ripped up the league for like five games and that's all they needed. Natasha Dowie didn't start. I don't know if she had an injury. Deanne Rose looks like she might be out for the season. And then suddenly you're like, eh, I don't know who scores or does anything. Charlie Wellings pissed me off massively in this game because she had the opportunity to equalise when it was 1-0 United and was appealing for a handball penalty instead when the ball literally fell at her feet like about 10 centimetres away from the goal. Which is just like pure idiocy. But yeah, I I do think Reading and Leicester maybe are the two. I know people said West Ham. I think they look fine. They'll be fine. And Brighton, I actually still thought they had enough moments against Arsenal even that I was like...
1: yeah. The game, the game, state caveat a lot, a lot of the lack of kind of, but like those, there was a couple of times where they put together a couple of sequences where they were able to kind of escape that pressure, even though we, uh, we being Arsenal had them pinned deep. Um, that I do think that like against teams which aren't Arsenal, like you know when they're basically playing the teams that they should be competing with, I do think they'll be able to kind of put together moments and. They've shown that throughout the past, so and they'll they'll hopefully they'll get their 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 vintage win over Chelsea at some point. So we'll see.
0: Almost certainly, um, we've got a six forty five kickoff, uh, at the Crawley Car Leasing State, whatever it's called.
1: Crypto Arena now, whatever it's.
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. Cool. Let's quickly go to Spain. I know we both watched Barcelona. This week in what it was a surprisingly fun game yeah. against Teneri, I think. A bit of a bizarre first half. Um, it finished 2-0 to, to Barcelona, but it was 0 0 half time. They basically had none of their starting midfield from last season for the majority of this game. Uh, Itana was suspended because she got a red card in the last game of last season. Patrick went off after like six minutes, and they therefore kind of looked crap. But oh, obviously Alexia's like out for the season. Yeah, I thought they looked pretty crap. In that first half but maybe that's just fine because i and patrick will be back next week
1: yeah i think it's uh, obviously it's opening weekend so you can't really put too much in that but it was the one thing that was kind of galling to me was like it wasn't something that was going to be a surprise to us but like lucy bronze crowning Grant hansen that right hand side i mean looking at the average kind of position maps like that the right hand side was just so shifted. I, I said it to you there's the right hand side of their of their of their actual on ball activity was so shifted to the right that basically Mappy left center back was basically hit the center circle because they were just absolutely <laughs> trying to and nothing in the midfield was that obviously a lot of it was Tenerife basically sitting in a really compact block. And I don't think that the right side were that great. They just were kind of playing amongst each other and doing not much, not they weren't creating any kind of penetration to the middle or creating any chances.
0: Yeah, it's quite clear to me that Lucy Bronze and CGH at some point are gonna absolutely start destroying people, but it's not yet.
1: <laughs> no, it's not after week one of the season and you know, the game opened up a little bit because of a freak goal or just got deflected in or pumped in on to, uh, when the goalkeeper's out of position. And like that kind of forces Tenerife to open up a little bit. And then you saw a little bit more of the kind of the Barcelona that we know and love. But yeah, like I was just on from from like a, while well, I'm not English. I'm basically English now. Um, kind of a, a style of thing. It's like watching Lucy Bronze just instantly become like the kind of the go-to player for like building up a right-hand side was something that was really, really fun to see because, um, like, there was a lot of people looking at when, when she signed and being like, why did they sign Lucy Bronze? And it's like, well, it's pretty clear now that they signed her because she's outstanding.
0: Right, and I guess this is another Man City thing, right? Like yeah. the, Maybe lots of people thought Lucy Bronze was past it, but yeah, maybe she just wasn't being played very well. Yeah,
1: and, like, we'll see. Like, if, and, like, it's amazing you, you look, you, like, we'll touch on it as well. Like, the stay away now in Bayern Munich, I'm sure she's going to absolutely, she, I think she stagnated at, in the league, at least for the last couple of seasons. So seeing how she plays in in Germany will be fun. Kara Walsh was was good for City, but like you you can see her just being elevated to another level when she has kind of players on that kind of, that system will suit her. So yeah, Barcelona will be really, really good this year as well. And I do think that Real Madrid are are stronger than a lot of people are giving them credit for. I think they have a really fun team. Like I talked about it with with Manchester United, but I think Real Madrid have a really fun team as well and a really deep team as well, which I didn't have in the last couple of years. But I do think that obviously Barcelona will be pretty good.
0: Although I'm sure Phil Neville is getting ready to write his op-ed since Jonathan Giraldas also seems like he wants to play Lucy Bronze in midfield. But I don't know if that was just like hilarity because they've got no midfielders right now, whether that's actually going to be something we're going to see long term. But it would be interesting. She actually like contributed quite a lot when she got there.
1: When she, she kind of just shows up out of nowhere and just you're like, oh, there's Lucy Bronze just picking up in the half space. So it's... If it works, then, like, I I do think, like, it's just going to be fun to see, like, how that kind of just, like, teams are able to, uh, or Barcelona are just able to have, like, if you're a fullback and you have Caroline Hansen and then Lucy Bronze on the overlap, like, I would just fall over and cry, honestly.
0: And that's why we are not fullbacks in Spain. Yeah, just a couple of other results in Spain. Uh, Real Madrid beat Valencia 2-0, Sociedad beat Villarreal 2-0, and Latico Madrid beat Sevilla 3-1. So I guess all of the kind of contenders at the top uh, winning at the start of the season... In Germany, a very good game to, to kick off a, a record in the in attendance in the Prime Bundesliga and a nil-nil draw between Eintracht, Frankfurt, and Bayern Munich. Do we just hand the title to Wolfsburg now,
1: Carl? I don't want to say yes, because then we would lose a lot of listeners and they wouldn't want to care about the second half of the segment. <laughs> but I do think it's Wolfsburg to lose again. Like
0: it was probably always theirs to lose, right?
1: Yeah, as well. I mean, I'm just from from my from a very biased austrian standpoint i'm very happy that my 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 backshot babes for the for eintracht frankfurt did so well uh against Bayern. but
0: they are like austria on seal it's,
1: it's just the, the, that mid that that those three central players uh fire singer uh fry and dunst are just you know i love them but yeah i i pioneer it's gonna take a lot for wolfsburg a a monumentable uh slip up from from wolfsburg to kind of drop it from here and they got stronger this summer as well so it's just sort of like the the rich get richer you know nil no, nil. No, frankfurt are no slouches but if byron were gonna be kind of the team that you'd look at and be like okay well they have a shot for the title you did want to see them pick up a result
0: yeah and and you kind of touched on on strengthening. strengthening. they won maybe s and four 0 it from alex pop to be a Vasmuth and two from eva payor and i think that's like what feels so crazy is i'm like you know payor's missed so much time through injury and then you know, suddenly like Oh, now she's back in scoring. It was
1: like watching Germany at the Euros where they just would bring on three incredible players off the bench. It's the same with Wolfsburg. Like they just like you you think of a player like, well, how can Wolfsburg change the game? And it's like, well, they'll just bring on this other incredible world class talent off the bench.
0: Yeah, they're gonna be a lot in the champ in the Champions League, I think, this this season. Quickly to France then. PSG won four-nil, thanks to goals from Diani, Karchawi, and Grace Gioro scoring twice. Thank you very much, PSG, for not selling us to her. Leon but beat Soyor 2-1. Uh lovely free quick from Lindsay Horan and a goal from Delphine Cascarino. The game I watched this week was Fleury versus Paris FC, which was a ridiculously hilarious game. I watched this before the Arsenal one. There is a player who plays for Flurry called Rosamund Kouassi, who I'd never heard of, but she's good. And apparently I should have heard of her already. She also hilariously got sent off with Leah Garak in a very feisty finish to the game. But Flurry were a lot of fun. I hadn't watched them before. I would recommend that to anyone uh, looking for, for a fun team in France to follow. But Carl, I wanted to ask you a bit about the late transfer moves we've had in France. We've seen Buhardi go to PSG, Jackie Gronin go to PSG, much to Alex's sadness. And today, uh, Vanessa Gilles to Lyon. One, how weird is it that France get a transfer window a week after everyone else? I don't really understand that. And two, do you see any of these signings particularly standing out. I mean the grown one I feel like whatever. I don't know. I I'm not as hot on grown as some people some people are. Buhadi feels really strange to me for Leon to sell her to PSG.
1: It does seem like a weird move, but like I've stopped basically trying to make sense of goalkeeper transfers to France after after Lydia Williams move there as much as I love Lydia Williams. Like I don't really understand that move at all. So like I'll throw that up to just France being France. Um the Jackie Grown thing I do think it's it's more of a factor for Man United than it is for PSG because I think Leon are, are just even with the addition of of Jackie Groden to midfield, I don't think Leon are gonna be threatened at all in the league this year. Like as much as I think PSG are fun they have good players, like it's just like Leon are just a machine. The the uh, Vanessa Gila's thing is I think is interesting because like I know that uh friend of the pod, Kieran Doyle is is very big on her, but I, I think it's more of a kind of a a positive, looking at it from my American's perspective of like the fact that they were loaned her out and they didn't include like an option to buy, so I think it's kind of like a low risk move for both parties, both both Angel City and Leon as well. So I, I do think it'll be fun for that.
0: And I definitely think I'm, I agree with you. I mean I feel like obviously for Geels. Gilles- She's coming in to replace Mbok, right? Because Mbok's gonna be out for ages, but she won't be out forever. So it kind of makes it's sense. Like, it's, a, it's like
1: a, it's a, it's a extremely high, high ceiling, like short term deal with very low risk. Because like, if it doesn't work out, Mbok will be back, and then Vanessa will be back. Yes, that was Yeah. It's basically like a very a, a a high chance flyer as well.
0: Um, she speaks French too. That makes sense. The only thing I will say is, again, don't want to get into NWSL discourse. I kind of think it's wild that Angel City are like what. Three points outside of the playoff positions um, in the NWSL right now. Like yeah. it's the final stretch and you've just let your starting center back go, albeit on loan. It's a great move from her. But I not Maybe they're just creating a nice culture. And all- yeah, it's, it's,
1: been, it's been a big theme this summer. The NWSL is like players who just be like, I don't want to be here. They're like, the team's very open to just letting them go. And it might have been a thing where like Vanessa Keelis was like.
0: And I guess that's a historic thing, right? Yeah. Like where there's like lots of beef around, you know, unfair transfers and free agency etc
1: and i was still having a draft in itself and basically being like from someone who someone who grew up basically being involved in like the draft system in the u.s it's like oh that's how it's done but like i know from afar looking at it like you don't get to choose where you play it makes zero inc- sense yeah it's, it's dumb so basically like and as well as the, the historic problems that NWSL has had with with cultures and coaches being you know what um i do think that kind of like being more open to kind of player transfers and players having more of a say in their future is something that we've seen in, in WSL, and it might it might have been a, a quintessence of that, or like some kind of what's up, what's a women's version of a gentleman's a ladies' agreement between <laughs> Angel City and and and, and uh, her to basically be like, hey, if this opportunity to go to to a big club in France opens up, you have to just please let me go.
0: Yeah, Oh, I'm excited for Jules. I think she's a fun player, and I'm excited to see her play at a higher uh, level i can say leon's yeah, level, yeah
1: can say, I, think, <laughs> I think i think leon's a higher level than pretty much anyone so considering yeah that yeah like, that's good i ready, mean they are the
0: winners are, of the champions league yeah, so. okay fantastic carl thank you so much for filling in for alex you are actually much nicer than she probably would have been so you can come again
1: oh uh, well thank you i'll, I'll hopefully alex doesn't hear this so the, <laughs> the podcast is now cancelled from from here on out because of uh, ind- indecision so but it's great to be on it's great to, to talk football as always
0: amazing thank you so much uh thank you everyone for listening uh, alex and i should be back on thursday to hopefully chat some champions league if i can track her down from wherever she is in madrid until then get to you guys soon